Amen. We thank you for your giving. We appreciate you. To our online audience, would you do me a favor and would you just let us know where you're tuning in from, what city, what state? That way when we go back and look, we can see uh, where you guys are. And we appreciate you for being uh, tuning in online and for your giving online. We appreciate all that you do. We're going to go right into the word of God for this morning. Amen. I think I got a, I got at least one that's going to help me. So they have it up here. Let's re- repeat. This is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. If you believe it, just go ahead and make some noise this morning. All right, now let's let's do another prayer over the word of God. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this preaching moment. God, I pray that expectation rise, God. I pray that you would touch my mouth as well as my mind, as well as the ears of the listeners and hearers, God. Let us not be the same because of the word of God. Let no one's coming be in vain. And God, let this be a place where there's a revelation moment that would take us to where we need to be in these last and evil days. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have been in uh, this series here. We started it. This is going to be the third installment in the series. And would you would you go back and uh, uh, pull up the the video? Yeah. So this is the the uh, series Healthy Church. Somebody say Healthy Church. And so we're in the third installment. The first uh, sermon was called Healthy Church. And last week we talked about healthy self. And today is going to be called Healthy Diagnosis. And so go ahead and bring that up, Healthy Diagnosis. And somebody said it when we say Healthy Diagnosis. And so what we're going to do, we're going to define what diagnosis is. And so uh, they'll bring that definition up for us. It is the identification of the nature of an illness or other problem by examination of the symptoms. That's how you are diagnosed. And now this is not in the sermon. Let me throw this in there. You got to be careful of WebMD because you look up WebMD, it'll have you dead tomorrow. So sometimes it's good to get a good diagnosis. But what happens in the diagnosis, they take, they look at the symptoms and they track the symptoms and that's how they show how healthy you are or how healthy you are not. Because sometimes the symptoms are just uh, minuscule. They're not major. They may feel major, but it's not really major. And sometimes it is major. And so we need to know how to, if we're going to be a healthy church, and what we talked about last week, and have a healthy self, we're going to have to learn how to have a healthy diagnosis. And once again, for those of you who are catching in on the series, we're mainly talking about spiritual health. Even though our natural health is important, and we may talk about natural health, physical health within this series, 
but our major focus is our spiritual health. And so we're talking about diagnosing ourselves spiritually. So in order to do this, let's start with uh, Revelations 3.14. Sister Mitchell, you're going to, I'm going to have you uh, read that. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, this is what the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation says. This is Jesus talking to the seven churches in Asia. And so I won't give you all the background. Many of you Bible scholars know what is going on. So he's talking to the church of Laodicea. This is his message to them. So let's look at verse 15. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. Would you be either or? Look at verse 16. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. King James says, spew you out of my mouth. Something our late apostle would always share is that when you, uh, you either want to drink hot or cold in most cases. You don't want it lukewarm. I can drink iced coffee or I can drink hot coffee. I don't like lukewarm coffee. I want something that is refreshing. And God was speaking to them and his diagnosis of them is that I'm willing to spew you out of my mouth because you are not doing anything for anybody. You are not meeting the need for anyone. All right. And so let's put this up. And we talked about it last week, but it'll make a little more sense uh, in just a second. Healthy self equals heal thyself. And so we took the word healthy and split it up to heal thy. And we talked about healing thyself. And when we talked about that, we were talking about how many of our healings happen outside of the four walls of a church. It's between us and our relationship with Jesus. And it allows us to heal ourselves. But going from there, let's look at this. Before you can heal thyself, there has to be a self-diagnosis. In other words, you you got to know what you're dealing with in order to walk in healing. We have to know what you're working with. In other words, if your eye is hurting, you don't need a whole bunch of books about your toe. You're going to need books on your eye if you're going to fix the situation with your eye. And so Jesus was talking about them and the way that they functioned, the way that they operated, and He's getting ready to show us something that they were misdiagnosing themselves. And that's a problem when you have a misdiagnosis. All right, so let's look at verse 17. Because you are saying, I am rich and have become rich and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and pitiable and poor and blind and naked. Here's a problem. When they diagnosed themselves, they saw themselves way different than how Jesus saw them. They said, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. And he said, I see you and you're poor, you're pitiable, or King James says pitiful, you're blind, and you're naked. And this is what this shows us is that many times the standard that Jesus holds is much different than the standards that humans hold. So when you have a self-diagnosis, you have to diagnose yourself based on the words and the work of Jesus, not based on how you feel. In other words, I got a new car. 
Sister Teresa doesn't have a new car. So in my diagnosis, I'm better than she is. But God looks at me and says, she's better than you are. Well, how? She's walking. She's catching the bus. But spiritually, she's much further advanced than you are because you're caught up in your material thing. What happens is when we say yes to us and God is saying no. What happens when we think we're ready to crack heaven's gates over and God has to say, I never knew you. So spiritually, have you diagnosed yourself and have you diagnosed yourself according to the standard of Jesus? Oh, let me back up a little bit and let me, I'm trying to be nice because we got visitors, but let, 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 let me talk like I would normally talk. Uh, cause you a church folk cause your dress is long and because you tired every Sunday. You're better than the crack addict, but you don't know the crack addict has a better relationship with God than you do because in the middle of his trouble, he's crying out to God. But you're faking the funk because as long as you can fool the folk around you, you think you're all right, but God knows who you really are. Yeah. Uh, and we can play the church game, but God knows how we act. And not, not just how we act, how we think about acting. Yeah. See, some of y'all, you wise enough to not act it out, but it's in your head. It's funny how you'll judge somebody for doing the same thing you thought about. But because you thought about it, nobody knew about it. Ooh, look at her sleeping with that man. But you thought about sleeping with the same man. You judging her, but God knows it was in your thoughts too. You just didn't have an exact, you just didn't have a chance to do it. But in your diagnosis, you're better than they are. But God says, I see you. So let me ask you, how healthy is your diagnosis? All right, now, that, that, that helps to understand where we're tracking. Go ahead and put this next thing up. Signs and symptoms. So we're going to go through some things here. We're basically going to leave that major scripture. We're going to go through uh, some things here. And these are either signs or they're symptoms. They're either signs that you're doing okay or they're symptoms that you're spiritually unhealthy. And so you either need to say amen or ouch. And so what I would suggest you do so don't nobody know, just go ahead and say amen so nobody knows that your toes is getting stepping on. Just say amen. But it might be an ouch. So so let's go ahead and, and put this up. We're going we're gonna to break it down based on the title. We're going to look at the word healthy, and we're going to break each one of those letters down to make them a sign or a symptom. And only you know which one is which. And so first thing you do, we're going to start off with the H. To make it very simple, the first H for a healthy diagnosis is honesty. Let me pause and let me jump on uh, what we would call a natural diagnosis. The problem with many people, especially men, when they go to the doctor is we're not honest. And because we're not honest, it's hard to actually really diagnose you properly. So when you get in the room... They, their doctor going to ask you, how many alcohol drinks do you have a week? Well, I have four. But if you really have 14, that ain't helping nobody. Let, let, me, let me be just a little crass for a moment to make a point. 
when when you are talking about your uh, your sexual health and they ask you how many partners you've had and you say two and it's really been 22, you're not helping nobody, you're hurting yourself because in order for them to diagnose you properly, you're going to have to be honest with where you really are. And the problem that I have many times in churches, like I said, we can fake the funk, but if you're really going to have a diagnosis, you're going to have to be honest with yourself and you're going to have to be honest with God. God, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. Like C.C. Winan said, I got fire from the Holy Ghost, a Holy Ghost fire, but I got some trouble too. I got some issues too. I got some sicknesses too. I, I'm saved, but I lust. I'm saved, but I cuss. I'm saved, but I fight. I'm saved, but I got some stuff that if I don't diagnose properly, if I don't be honest about, I don't want you to be surprised. I need to tell you ahead of time, I got some stuff that's not altogether lovely that I need God to work on and help me work through. Because if I'm going to be spiritually healthier than I am right now, I have to be honest with where I am now. One thing about your GPS, it wants to know two things. Number one, where you're going, but number two, where you are. Actually flip it around, it actually wants to know where you are first so it can chart where you're going. So we want to go to heaven, but we want to lie about where we are right now. I love God's people most of the time. Tell the truth. I love all God's people most of the time. I love all God's people some of the time. I love my family most of the time. Go ahead and tell the truth because sometimes, and I'm not saying you have to tell everybody. I'm talking about when you're talking to God, sometimes you can be honest. I love my mama, but I love my spouse, but and then you can be honest. And then with that honesty, there can be a diagnosis to help you to know where you're going. I told you this story before, but it actually helped me. My honesty helped me. I was complaining to God about my wife. I was praying to God, almost like Adam, this wife that you gave me. I was being honest, and God told me that I was the problem. Not what I wanted to hear, but I was glad I was honest with him. And then he helped me diagnose that the problem she's having is you. And if you would change you, I could work on her. And so many times, because we're not honest, we can't get the help that we need. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, let's go to something that we could really understand. Let's go to a very famous passage of scripture. I'm changing into a, a new version, which is the LAV. When I say a new version, it's not new. It's, I have never preached from it. But go ahead and read this version. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm, 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 mm. In other words, in order, the only way to be set free is you're going to have to embrace the truth. Now, I just gave you a story about how God spoke to me and told me I was the problem. But God doesn't always speak to you by himself. Sometimes he speaks to you through people. And you got to stop uh, looking at the person and embrace the truth. L let me talk to you, you grown parents. Sometimes you have grown kids and your grown kids are trying to tell you stuff, but because you raised them, you don't want to hear what they're talking about. Sometimes when parents get older 
and the young uh, child gets older and the young child realizes that some of the stuff we was eating back in the day is the reason why we all sick and messed up. And so they shift and they change their diet. And now they're trying to help you and tell you, mama, if you got blood pressure, we can't have a rib cookout every week. But because you raised them, you don't want to hear, well, baby, I pushed you out. Yeah, but truth is still true. Even when it's packaged in a person that you don't really want to hear from, it's still true. And the only way the truth can set you free is you have to embrace it. Well, the truth came from a white person and you black, but it's true. Well, the truth came from a gay person and you straight, but it's still true. If you want deliverance, you got to be honest because it's only through the truth that will make you free. And then I didn't give you the next verse. The next verse says, and you shall continue in the truth. And it is the truth that you continue in that makes you free. Let me give you an example. So um, you you go to work every day like I do. I drive 45 mile, uh, miles to work every day. And so uh, I'm driving safely to work every day. And so the reason why I make it to safe to work every day is because I drive safe to work every day. So that makes sense. And that's true right now. But if I stop continuing in that truth, and I start driving 120 miles an hour every single day, then guess what? It's going to jeopardize me getting safe to work because I'm taking a truth that I know and I'm disregarding it and doing what I want to do. And then I can't blame God when I get in a situation because I didn't continue in the truth. It's not just the truth you know, it's the truth you continue in. All right, so let's move on. That, that's pretty simple. Let's move on to E. E is going to be effective. So this will show you how you are spiritually. Are you effective? In other words, when when people interact with you down through the years, do you make an impact and do you have an effect on their life? Are you effective? See, there are some people who are Christians, but they're no longer effective. Because what they're doing, they are moving in an iPhone, Android, Android world, and they got a rotary phone ministry. Some, some, some young folks don't even know what I'm talking about when I say rotary phone. That went right over their head. That, I, I grew up on a rotary phone, but I don't want to stick my finger in one number and push it and let it roll back. You know why? Because we have advanced. But the problem with a lot of people, especially Christian people, they're stuck on old stuff and now they're no longer effective. And they're wondering why people are disassociating themselves from the church because you keep doing old stuff. All right, let 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 me put it to you like this. Back in the day, we used to stay in church all day long. You can't do that now. Folk will walk out of your church. They'll leave and they won't come back. They got too much stuff to do, too much stuff going on. Well, it worked in the old day, yeah, but this ain't the old day. You have to learn how to be effective in the new day. Well, back in the day, you could just slap anybody's kids. Don't do that now. 
We're living in a new season, a new day. I got whooped by folk that wasn't my parents, and maybe some of these young folk need that, but that's not the day we live in. I'm not bailing you out of jail because you don't understand how to be effective in the day that you're in. I got more to say about that, but I'll, I'll, I'll push that to a little later. Let's, let's look at James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, effective prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. The what kind of prayer? Effective. The effective prayer. Deliver me from folk who's saying they're praying for you and it don't do you no good. Because they're praying, but it's not effective. And the reason why sometimes people's prayers are not effective, because like I talked to you last week about, they are manipulation prayers and not really prayers. In other words, they're praying what they want for you instead of what God wants for you. And so what that amounts to is actually witchcraft. Some of the folk that are praying for you, you don't need them praying for you because they're praying spells instead of praying the will of God. I can do bad by myself. I don't need you praying for me because your prayer is not effective. If you want me to do what you want to do, when you want to do, and then you praying that I do it that way, and God's got another plan for my life, your prayers will not be effective. I'm living proof of that because when God began to deal with me, he had me to come out of school and walk away from gaining my degree and come home and work with my father in the ministry. And there was a lot of folk around me, including family, that was praying the opposite, but I knew what God was telling me to do. And I took a chance. I took a step. And now the same folk later talk about how anointed I am, but I wouldn't have been anointed if I would have followed your prayers. I got to do what God wants me to do. So the prayer has to be effective. Now, now let's, let's move further. I, I got another E that I want to put up there. This E is efficient. I like people who are effective, but also efficient. It don't take all day to get things done. Let, let me give you an example. You can be effective and not be efficient. There are some people who are great cooks, but they're not efficient cooks. So when you go to their house for Thanksgiving dinner, they say Thanksgiving dinner's going to start at 2, and at 7.30 ain't nobody ate. You a good cook, but I'm not coming back next year. Because you're taking too long. You're not efficient. And some of y'all need to learn how to pray effective prayers and efficient prayers. If I ask you to pray for me and I tell you I don't have a lot of time, I got to get here. I don't need you holding me down and pouring oil over my head. I don't have time for that right now. Can you pray for me while I'm on the go? If I tell you I got to be such and such in 15 minutes, well, we're going to pray this thing through. Well, I need you to pray in two minutes so I can get on the road. I need your prayer to be effective, but also efficient. It don't take God forever to do what he needs to do. Some of the stuff we're doing, we holding people hostage just because you want to talk. And, and you want to pray. And that's why we had to stop testimony service because testimony service wasn't efficient. 
It may have been effective, but it wasn't efficient. It took you 25 minutes to tell me that God got you a parking space. I, you wasting my time, sweetheart. You could have started that early in the day. God got me a parking spot. Amen. Sit down. But you went through your whole month of August just to tell me that God blessed you. You're effective, but you're not efficient. And so when you are inefficient, and these are just humorous things, but I want you to think deeper. When you're inefficient in life, it shows that you're not that healthy. When you can't, when you can't get things done efficiently. I got some areas in my life where I'm unhealthy too. When you see me on Sunday mornings, I'm normally put together, but my life is not all that put together. And it's not because I want it to be that way, but I'm inefficient when I clean up. Because what happens is I'm cleaning up and then I realize I haven't worn this in a while. This needs to go to the Goodwill. So I pick up my phone to see what time the Goodwill closed. Then an hour later, I done scrolled on Facebook and forgot I was cleaning up. Because I got distracted, got a little ADHD, got a little, little, I forgot everything I was doing because I'm not all that efficient. I got to learn how to focus. I done picked up my phone to do one thing and did something totally different, just forgot. Because in some areas, I'm unhealthy. I'm not as efficient as I should be. And I have to learn how to focus myself so I can get things done efficiently and make the most of my time. Because time is running away from us and we got to make the most of our time. All right, having said that, let's, let's move further. Let's move to A. We're moving right along. A is... Adaptable. Somebody say adaptable. adaptable. Healthy people, they learn how to adapt because you cannot control life. Life comes at all of us fast. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how many scriptures you know. Life will happen to you and you're going to have to learn how to adapt. And people who cannot adapt, they're not that healthy. Amen. Let me talk to you single people for a moment. When you are dating, you need to figure out how adaptable the person is. In other words, y'all go to the restaurant, and when you go there, the man tells you, I can't wait to eat the salmon. It's my favorite thing on the menu. And when they get there, they don't have the salmon, and he's mad for the rest of the date. Something's wrong. Because you have to know how to adapt and adjust and you'll find out, you'll find out that you are not import, more important than his feelings. See, he, he told you he was going to date you, but when you found out that he can't adapt, you'll find out his feelings will always be in front of you, but you so in love, you didn't pick up on the red flag. He cussed the waiter out. He cussed the manager out. He cussed the valet out because he didn't have the salmon. And you're talking about he's so sweet. And six months later, when he cussing you out, you won't come to me and have me pray it off for you. You didn't pay attention. He was not adaptable. Can you adapt? Can you adjust? Or does your whole week mess up when you get one bit of bad news? Now, I'm not saying that bad news is, is easy to take. There are some things that will rock your world, but there are some people that are just wishy-washy. And they just can't, they can't take nothing. Cut them off in traffic on August 1st, they're still mad September 1st. 
because they don't know how to adjust. They don't know how to adapt. You better, you better get out of that because adaptability is very important because life is like a roller coaster. There's ups and there's downs. You will not always be up. And you will not always be down, but you're going to have to learn how to strap yourself in, buckle yourself in, and learn how to enjoy the ride. Many times it's not in God. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And when you think God's going to take you in a straight line, that line is going to be all crooked, all backwards, all up and down. But what the Bible says is all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So can you adapt? Can you adjust? Can you move on the fly? Are you flexible? Let me pause and say I love family, but when we're on family vacation... I want somebody that's flexible, that's adjustable, that's adaptable. I don't want somebody who's complaining the whole time because I got on vacation to rest. Hell, this Airbnb is real bad. And you the person that you paid the least of the whole family and you got the most complaints. I can't go on vacation with you no more because you complain about everything. You don't know how to adjust. You, you don't know how to adapt. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's real muggy. Shut up. I'm trying to rest. And it's hard to be around people who are not adaptable. But in your spiritual walk, can you adapt? And can you adjust? Can you sometimes go with the flow? Are you always argumentative? Are you always frustrated? Are you always ticked off? It's okay to be sometimes ticked off. Sometimes frustrated, sometimes argumentative, but if this is your normal state, something's wrong with your spiritual health. All right, let's, let's go to some scripture to see how Paul uh, termed it. Let's look at Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak from need, but I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I like the word learned because this is a learned behavior. It doesn't come easily. I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstance. In other words, I've been through enough junk in my life. I've learned how to find contentment even in the worst things. I've learned how to find some level of peace. When my father passed and he passed in a way where I wasn't ready for him to go, I learned how to laugh in the middle of my pain because I'm trying to find some contentment because I can't lose my mind. My dad would want me to carry on the legacy so I can't get stuck. I got to learn how to adjust and adapt and find a place of contentment even in the midst of the pain. Let's look at verse 12. I know how both to make do with little and I know how to have an abundance. In everything and in all things I have learned the secret both to be filled and to be hungry. Mm, Both to be filled and to be hungry. Now when we get to the next verse, you're going to recognize the next verse because most people quote that verse outside of this other context. They quote it outside of the 11 and 12 context. Let's look at verse 13. I can do all things 
through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You hear people say that all the time. I can do all things through Christ. But what Paul was actually saying is I can do hard things as well as I can do easy things. I can do rough things as well as I can do smooth things. I can do all things because I'm not doing it by myself. I'm doing it through Christ. And as long as Christ is with me and in me, there's nothing I can't handle. Now, I may not want it. I may not like it. But here's the thing. We can't choose what we get. Sometimes you just get it, and once you get it, you got to figure out how to adjust and yeah. adapt. I got to adapt to this. This this is my like like what, what coming through. I work for General Motors, and coming through, I, I got 26 years now. But coming through that process, sometimes my seniority, I got bumped to a shift I didn't like, in a department I didn't like. On a job I didn't like. And guess what? I still had to go if I was going to pay my bills. So sometimes you got to do hard stuff. But I found out in the hard times, I found a God that's God in the valley. And he's also God on the mountaintop. Deliver me from a God that can only help you on the mountaintop. I don't just need him on the mountaintop. I need him in the valley as well. And so whether I'm up or down, there's one constant thing. I'm going to hold to God's unchanging hand. Yes. All right, let's, let's move right on. Uh, uh, letter L. This is another word we don't like. Another Christian cuss word. Long-suffering. But the problem is, it's in the scripture. And even Jesus said, he's promised us we will have tribulation. It was a promise. We talk about every promise. I even think about uh, Mother Woods who were going to lay to rest, but she would sing a song. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Well, when we say that, we're only thinking about no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I'm above only and not beneath. But there's some other promises. There's a promise you will have tribulation. You will have persecution. You do have a devil. You do have an enemy. And so guess what? We got to learn how to take the good with the bad. But one songwriter said, all of my good days, they outweigh my bad days so I won't complain. The songwriter didn't say I can't complain. It says I won't complain because when I look back over my life and I look at what God has done versus what he hasn't done, I can still say God is good all the time and all the time God is good. The situation isn't good. But God's still good. Last time I checked, I'm still breathing. Last time I checked, I still got my right mind. So I'm going to hold on to God in the good times as well as the bad. Yes. All right. Thank you for letting me preach just a little bit. All right. Let's move on. Colossians 1, 11. Read that. Strengthen with all might. Oh, that, that sounds good. Strengthen with all might. Yeah, I like that. According to his glorious mm -hmm. power. According to his glorious power. Like Un that. Unto all patience and long suffering. I don't like that part. With joyfulness. I, I like the other part, but when it come down to the patience and the long suffering and said with joyfulness, that you got to have joy in the ugly stuff. How do I do that? Well, it's actually a fruit of the spirit. 
It's actually something that has to be born in you. And what you have to understand, when you plant a fruit tree, it don't, you don't plant it on Monday and it show up on Tuesday. It takes a while for it to go down deep and grab roots. But over time, that fruit will come up. And there's a fruit called long-suffering. And if you've been in this thing long enough, you'll find out even in the ugly stuff, you can still produce the fruit of I'm able to suffer a long time. Let's look at verse the next verse. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. It said, actually, put it on. So in order to put it on, many times you got to take some other stuff off in order to put long-suffering on the way it needs to be put on. All right, let's move right on. Thank you, Brother Tommy. Let's, let's move on to T. T is timing. Let, let me, let me pause and let me say this to my visitors. My church know whenever I wear my bow tie, I'm in teaching mode. And so they know that it may be a little bit longer. I'm sorry y'all showed up on bow tie Sunday. I apologize, but it, it may be a little longer than normally when I'm in preaching mode, but I'm more in teaching mode. But, but, but I'm just trying to impact us with this. So T is timing. Read the scripture that goes with timing. First Chronicles 12, 32, A. And from the men of Issachar, men who were skilled in understanding the times to know what Israel should do. They understood the times, which is going back. I told you I was going to come back to that effectiveness and that efficiency. It comes down to your timing. Do you understand the times? And here's a way that I can explain it to where everybody will understand. You know a person has lost their mind when they aren't dressed for the seasons. When you see somebody wearing a fur coat in 90 degree weather, you say something's wrong with their mind. When you see someone wearing a bikini and it's 20 below, you say something's wrong with their mind. Because they don't understand timing. And it's easy to tell when it's outward. But when you inwardly don't understand timing, it's hard to know. It's hard to diagnose. Some of y'all don't understand timing. And so since you don't understand timing, you don't even know what God is required. But a healthy person understands timing. Uh, uh, if I have $80,000 worth of debt, I may not need an $80,000 new car. Amen. I may want it, but it may not be the time for it. And somebody may prophesy, God's going to give you a new car, but you may need a newer used car because your debt is so high, but you ran with the prophecy, Ooh, God going to bless me with a car, and you about to mess up your life. You got to understand timing. There, there is a now timing and then there's a not yet timing. And the problem is when people mix up the not yet for now, they mess up their life. Oh, pastor, I'm getting married. I want you to get married, but are you sure this is the time? Maybe God is saying not yet and you're saying now. So let, let, me, let me warn you single folk, uh, after the honeymoon is over, things change in the marriage. You actually have to work through the marriage. So don't rush into a now season when God is saying not yet. You got to understand timing. You got to know. And if you don't operate in timing, many times it shows you're unhealthy. Real quick story that happened to me when, when I bought my first car. And it's, uh, it's funny that I'm in green. It was a, it was a green Jeep. 
that I ended up buying for my first vehicle. And so before that, there was a white Jeep that had tan leather interior that was so nice. And I was working with my money and I was on my own, but I was actually living with my parents. But I had some means because I was going to be moving out soon. And so I prayed to God, what should I do? Because cause the uh, car had dropped into my price range and it was a good car, good looking car. And God told me to ask your father. And I didn't really like what God said because I'm asking my heavenly father and God telling me to ask my natural father. But I followed the instruction of God. I prayed to him. He wasn't saying anything. And I just got that prompt to ask your dad. I talked to my dad and my dad said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But if it was me, I would wait for six months and I would take what they're going to charge you for the white car. And I would take it. I would put it back. And see if I can afford that for six months before I would buy it. Guess what? I did not want to hear that. (laughs) But I knew what he was saying was the truth. And he told me that if I would listen to my own advice, I wouldn't be in the debt that I'm in. So you can do what you want because you're grown, Andre. But if it was me and I had to do all over again, I would do it this way. And I knew he was telling me the truth. And I didn't like it. So I said, well, maybe in these six months, God's going to keep that white Jeep on the lot. It was gone in like four or five days. Oh, that hurt my heart. But six months later, when a green Jeep popped up and I had actually saved for six months the price, guess what happened? I was able to go and get the car. And since then, I have never missed a car payment since then because I learned a lesson that carried through the rest of my life. And every car, I've been able to pay it off early because I learned the lesson and I learned that what God was saying, not yet, even though I wanted it now. So timing is very important. All right, here's the final, uh, well, not the final one. Let's go to H. H is honor. Proverbs 26, 1. Let's go with this one. Like summer in, like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. So just like in the timing, things being outside of season, he said like snow in summer, and uh, it's, it's not fitting for a fool to carry so let me say this. So like I just shared with you, if somebody is wearing a fur coat in 90 degree weather, you say they're nuts. They're crazy. Something's wrong with them. But let me ask you this to show you how healthy you are. When you do something wise, are people shocked? Because honor and wisdom are not fitting of a fool. So if you do something honorable, Are people surprised? If they're surprised, that means most of your life you're unhealthy as it relates to honor because people are not used to you being honorable. You're just a, uh, let let, let me just say it this way. You you say, but you're messy. You you, you know, messy Christians, they're just kind of messy and dishonorable and, and bad attitude and all that. And so when you finally do something right, if somebody celebrates and jumps, then it's a possibility you're unhealthy. But if 
you do things and you're honorable and don't nobody say anything, it might mean that that's how you always act. Your reputation is so high and so pristine, they're shocked if you fall low of the standard. And the moment you fall low of the standard, you've had such a track record that many people are willing to give you grace because they know, oh, you just had a bad day because that's not you. That's not how you act because you function with honor. You function with integrity. You do things the right way, even when people aren't watching you. If something goes wrong, on my job, there's times I've done stuff and made a mistake. And I made a mistake, and I was supposed to be judged for the mistake that I made. But my boss covered for me because he said, you're the best worker I got. I'm not going to let them write you up for this. I'll figure out a way to fix it because you always do the right thing. And he told me, he said, you were probably helping someone else when you messed this up. And it was true. It wasn't my job. I was helping somebody else. He said, since I can always count on you, I'm going to find a way to fix this because you always carry such an honor. I'm going to take care of you. Or is it when something mess up, everybody know in, in the job, everybody know who it is. Boy, I know that was Joy. She can't never get nothing right. She doesn't, she operates like a fool outside. Now in church, she operates like an elect lady, but outside of here, she functions like a fool and she has no honor, no class, no, no integrity. We can't be like that. We have to take what we have in here and it has to affect the outside world. Yes, we have some struggles, specifically with our young people. And sometimes they do stupid stuff. But yet and still, when they see me, they give me honor because of the way I treat them, the way I handle them. I was talking to one just the, uh, just yesterday, and he said, I like the way you preach because you preach for us too. You don't just preach for the old folk, but you say stuff for us too. I appreciate that because they're saying, even though I'm young, you still find a way to honor me. And guess what? We'll never save a generation if we always talk down to them and always dog them and never show them any honor. All right, here's the last one. Let's put up this Y. Here it is. You and I'll add this and God. So the only one who can really diagnose you is you. Because you're the only one who know what's really going on. So all these things that I talk about, the honesty, the effectiveness, the efficiency, the adaptability, the long-suffering, the timing, the honor, how healthy are you? I don't know. I got to go ahead and diagnose my own self. And there's some stuff in here that I got to do better on. There's some stuff in here, let me say it to you like this. There's some stuff you can't take Tylenol over. Tylenol just masks the pain, but it don't get to the root of the problem. And there's some stuff you can't just hallelujah over. You're going to have to dig in and get into the problem. Some of y'all need some arthroscopic surgery. You need some stuff to go on the inside and take some stuff on the outside because you got some junk in you that don't nobody know about. But I'm not here to beat you up. Just go out there in, in your private time with God. I want you to do what this verse says. So let's go to this verse. Read it. This is David. Examine me, O God, and know my mind. Test me and discover my thoughts. Next verse. Find out if there is any evil in me 
and guide me in the everlasting way. Mm. English Standard says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. When I'm by myself and I'm outside the pulpit and it's just me and God. God, search me. There's some thoughts that I have that I don't want to think. There's some ways that I have that I don't want to have. So God, search me. And God, do surgery on me. Work on me. I don't want to hide it. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to lie about it. But God, I want to be spiritually healthy. I don't want to play the church game. God, I still got some stuff deep in me that needs help. But God, I know a God that will love me to the uttermost. So God, since you stretched your son for me, stretch me out, lay me on your surgery table, and work on me till I become the man that I need to be. And if we pray those prayers, when we come back in here, we won't have to fake. We can be honest and just say, God is working on me so that I can be healthy as I need to be. Say, say that with me. Let's stand to our feet. Say, God is working on me. God is working on me. So I can be, so I can be as healthy as I need to be. Healthy diagnosis. Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, as we're in this series on healthy church, and these last two weeks we've been talking about healthy self and heal thyself and what it looks like to have a healthy diagnosis, both the signs and the symptoms. God, maybe there's some things that show that we're doing well, but maybe there's some symptoms that show that we're struggling in some areas. And this is not about our salvation, and this is not about our going to heaven. This is about being the best version of us that we can be. God, don't let us get older and age and mature in age, but not mature spiritually. Let us be what we need to be, when we need to be, so that when we are interacting with other people, that they can have the best version of you because we are witnesses for you. And if we are broken down, jacked up, and sick on the inside, we won't be the proper witnesses for the dying world around us. So God, help us, but we know you will never leave us like you found us. And so we're not feeling guilt or shame, we're feeling hope that with you we can be diagnosed properly and we can be healthier than we've ever been spiritually. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen and amen. Much love to you. God bless you all.